Today is the fourth Sunday in Advent, so candles lit, and we look toward this fourth theme along traditionally with the church. We've, we've looked at the theme of hope and of peace and of joy, and today we focus on love. Today we focus on love and the mystery of love. Three things that, that we long to see in the text today. Three things. The first is this, that Jesus is love. Jesus is love. The second, that that love was made manifest. And the third and final one is this, that we exist, we live in the mystery of love. We're going to begin in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Not the quintessential Christmas passage, right? Um, but, but we look into 1 John 4, and we do see the incarnation here, uh, particularly in verses 9 and 10. But this is 1 John 4, 7 through 10. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. So you heard Clay reference it in our, in our video this morning, our Advent video, as he, as he directed our hearts toward, focused us toward love. He, he referenced 1 John four sixteen, in which John would again write and say that God is love. This is incredibly important for us to understand that love is not something that God is like. Love is not, when it says God is love, this is not a metaphor that John is using here. So no simile, no metaphor, no attempt at, in a linguistic way, trying to help people see what God is like. No, instead, he said, this is what God is. God is truly love. This is not simply a characteristic. This is his actual indelible character. And then we get the picture of, in verses 9 and 10, that Jesus is love. How do we know this? Because he is the love that was manifest among us. How do we know that Jesus is love? This is what it says. God is love. And in this, the love of God was made manifest. So in this, we see God's love. What happens? That God sent his only son into the world. Jesus himself is love. And this is love, verse 10 says, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us. How does he love us? What is the picture of? How does that love flesh out? Look at what it says. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus himself is love. Now, here's the reality. For many of us, we can assent to this. We cognitively know this, we understand this, we've heard this with deep repetition, we get this, okay? In many ways, it might not be the best use of your time for me to sit here and say Jesus is love. Hey, Michael, I know that. I know that Jesus is love. But I would urge you and challenge you to see and experience that love afresh and anew as we understand what that love of Jesus is in the way that God comes to us. The way that he comes to us. Because John uses this word really, really carefully and really importantly when he says love was made manifest. 
So Jesus is love, and believer, you know that. But this morning, understand that that love was made manifest. This is 1 John 4, 9. It says this, In this the love of God was made manifest among us. Here's what that word means. John talks about light constantly. In the Gospel of John and in this writing as well, he talks about light. And in many ways, manifest means to illumine. It literally means to turn the light on, to shed light, to illuminate something. But moreover, in this particular place, there's a practicality with which this word means to make plain. To put in clear sight and open view and even more for something to become apparent, visual, seen in such a way that it's not just understood, but that it's actually graspable. That you could touch it. Now, all right, I'm going to have my eyes more on you guys and everybody else, all right? But I want you to do this. I want you to touch the person next to you. And it's not going to 11 a.m. touch, okay? This is just light, just gentle. Don't be rough with anybody. Um, Look. The person that you touched is real. Real flesh. Real bone structure. Some of us, that's a little buried deeper down. But look, that person is real. This is 1 John 1, 1 through 3. And we walk through this in our Gospel is Love series. Um, but we're going to keep saying this consistently over and over for us in the 21st century to grasp and to recognize and to f- fall into, to be caught back up into the deep reality that Jesus being love is not an idea. That this is not just some sort of construct or concept. Instead, it's real. How real is it? This real. This is John talking of Jesus. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon. That means to behold, to see very closely with deep intent. And then this, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, visible, illumined graspable, real, and tangible. And we've seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and made manifest to us. That we have seen and we've heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And this is the fellowship he describes. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What does all this mean? What does this focus on? Why does he continue to say manifest? Because God in his love did not send you an email. He didn't give you a gift card. To just experience at the place of your choice. He gave you himself. And this is the depth to which he gave you and I himself in flesh. In a corporeal way, Jesus Christ takes on your flesh and mine. That is manifest. 
And this is the degree to which that love is manifest. This is the power of it. This is 1 Peter 1, verses 20 through 21. Peter describes Jesus being made manifest, the incarnation, Christmas, Jesus coming in this way. This is what it says. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Foreknown before the foundation of the world. Think back to Genesis 1. Formless, void, dark, and yet the spirit that hovers over the water, God the Father, and Jesus there. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but then this, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. He who loved you, this is the degree, this is the depth. It is not just that he was manifest, but that that manifestation is a picture of and the reality of Love that is not only heard, love that is not only seen, love that is not only viewed or beheld closely, but love that can be touched. That this Jesus was not strong and kind in a story way, but Jesus was strong and kind in real flesh for you and me. Before the foundation of the world, that Jesus has come to us in real Flesh, And this is how John would describe it. John chapter 1, verse 1, in his gospel, he would say this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, Full of grace and truth. We sang it this morning. Word of the Father now in flesh appearing. This is the degree, this is the depth of, this is the beauty of God's love for us. Jesus himself is love and comes to us in a manifest, tangible, human way. Taking on all that we are to redeem us. To be the propitiation for our sins. So when we sing, yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. There is no happy morning. There is no greeting apart from Jesus being born to us. Jesus being born to us. And look, Spurgeon, this gentleman that people would call the prince of preachers, would say it in this way. And I think it's one of the most beautiful articulations of the gospel period, it's this. For this child to be born to us, we have to be born to this child. For this child to be born to us, as Isaiah would prophesy and write in Isaiah 9, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. For this child to be born to us in a real tangible way for you and me, we have to be born to this child. Jesus truly born to give you and I second birth. That's what we experience. That's the level of love that we experience at Christmas. So the mystery of love is this. It's not just that Jesus is love. 
and that the love is so deep and real and true that it's tangible, that it's touchable, that, that Jesus really walked and lived just like you and I walk and live. That love, but then also this, this third and final thing. Jesus' love, that love was made manifest. And then this, you and I exist in the mystery of love. The mystery of love. I love the Christmas season, I'm sure, just like you do, because there are things about it that are mysterious. And I don't mean in like a, you know, haunted house kind of way. I mean in a magical spirited type way it's a season of of fun and mystery and joy but often when we think of mystery we think of what we don't know we think of something that we don't understand yet that we lack clarity on so in many ways mystery would be the opposite of manifestation If manifest means to illumine and to make visible and to make clear and to make plain and to make something graspable, mystery sounds like the opposite of that. Christmas is one of the unique seasons where when I can say mystery of the season and and all the joy and the fun things it brings, and, and sometimes we look around, we don't even really remember why to some degree, right? I can see like heads nodding. People, you, you accept this at Christmas. But this Christmas, you know Christmas more than you ever have. You're not a stranger to Christmas. With each year, with each passing Advent and each Christmas season, you know Christmas more. So how can there be mystery still there? How can there be mystery there? When Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, and we're going to look at it in a second, 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16, he describes the mystery of our faith. The mystery of our faith. What does he mean by that? What does he mean by mystery? Shouldn't we we know? Shouldn't we understand? This is what he says, 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16. Paul writes to Timothy and he says this, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So he's talking to Timothy about how the church should live, how they should act, what they should do, who they are. And then he says this, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. And describes it succinctly. And he says this. He was manifested, speaking of Jesus, in the flesh. Vindicated by the Spirit. Seen by angels. Proclaimed among the nations. Believed on in the world. Taken up in glory. So there's a couple of things happening here. That I think really warrant our attention. The one is the mystery of what Paul writes and he says is godliness. So in a cursory reading, when you and I just read those words as is, we see godliness and we likely think of action, outward things that one does. And that's true, 
But there's something deeper at the heart of this. That word godliness really means this. This is the way Paul writes it and the way he constructs it. It means our expression of, and purely this, love toward God. Our expression of love toward God. So what Paul writes is this. He says this is godly inner heart devotion to God. And yet he describes it as mysterious. In one kind of simple phrase, he's describing the whole of the Christian life. And he uses the word mystery. How can he say something is mysterious? How can he say that there's mystery in this love that we now have for God because of the way that he's loved us? How can it be a mystery if he just right after this tells all the facts about what Jesus has done? Who he is, the very person and work of Christ. This doesn't seem like a mystery. He spells it out. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. These are things that are stated that are true. So where does the mystery lie? And then he says this, and we don't need to miss this in verse 16. He says, great indeed, we confess is the mystery of godliness. So this is what the church, what you and I confess, what we confess is a mystery. All right, where am I going with this? What does this mean? I'm going to take you to the people. This is the point in the sermon where you get to hear from all the people smarter than me, and maybe stuff starts to make sense. Um, This is Bonhoeffer uh, in Reflections on Advent. And I think in this long but helpful paragraph, he's going to give us a deep understanding to what Christian mystery is. And it's not an absence of knowledge. That's not what it is. It's something deeper and richer. And this is how he explains it. He says this, The greatest mystery is not the most distant star. On the contrary, the closer something comes to us and the better we know it, then the more mysterious it becomes for us. So at this point, you're like, this guy's talking backwards and he's weird. Okay? But stick with it. The more mysterious it becomes for us. And he says this, the greatest mystery to us is not the most distant person, but the one next to us. The mystery of other people is not reduced by getting to know more and more about them. Rather, in their closeness, they become more and more mysterious. And the final depth of all mystery is when two people come so close to each other that they love each other. Nowhere in the world does one feel the might of the mysterious and its wonder as strongly as here. When two people know everything about each other, the mystery of love between them becomes infinitely great. And only in this love do they understand each other, know each other completely. And yet the more they love each other and know about each other in love, the more deeply they know about the mystery of their love. Thus, now hear this. Knowledge about each other does not remove the mystery, but rather it makes it more profound. Why? This is it. The very fact that the other person is so near to me is the greatest mystery. The very fact that the other person is so near to me is the greatest mystery. 
This is the mystery of love that you and I get to experience and celebrate and remember and recall and be drawn to worship in at Advent. It's this. God knows us. God knows us. He knows our weakness. He knows our brokenness. He knows our insufficiencies. He knows that we are unable to be righteous on our own. And I want to be very clear and say that Jesus doesn't just know our brokenness and our pain. And sometimes those words can seem kind of soft ways of saying ultimately sin. And sin is a word that we use so often that sometimes it becomes churchy and we kind of feel like it loses its meaning. So we'll clarify it this way. For your heart and my heart, Jesus knows the evil, the pure rebellion that lies within us. He knows it. God knows this and yet he comes to us. Think about this mystery. This is how Paul describes this mystery. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. This mystery of love that God knows us and that he is born to us so that we can have this fellowship, this union with Father and Son. Romans 5, verses 6 through 11. It says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Do you know why we can look at these kids and watch them sing? And be ripped apart inside. And try to hold it together. When they sing. Jesus said if I am weak. I should come to him. Do you know where you get that? Do you know where you get that authority? That freedom? That ability? The opportunity? To go to him when you're weak? Do you know why? Because when we were weak. Christ died for us. My ability to take my weakness, take my brokenness to him is because he came to me. There is nothing else in this world apart from the gospel. And here's how we know. Everything else in the world says, do this and you'll get to God. Be this and you'll get to God. Abstain from this. Take part in this and you'll get to God. Everything else, even if that God is yourself, that God might be 
I'll be, I'll be happy. I'll be fulfilled. I'll be satisfied. I'll have everything once I have the life, the spouse, the car, the home, the 401k, the whatever it is. Every other God, even the ones we create and the ones that are ourselves, everything says, do this and come to me. And the gospel is the only thing that says, you have nothing. You have nothing. So I will come to you. I will take your place. And this is the beauty of that love and the way that it happens. Jesus is born to us. Jesus is born to us in vulnerability. Taking on our very flesh. This is the mystery of love. And it's one that we ought to embrace and step into. To recognize our weakness to recognize our brokenness, to recognize our sin and our evil, the dark things that lay in us, the way that we've rebelled against God. Not that we needed some help or we weren't quite there and we needed to be pushed along, but that as Paul writes in Ephesians 2, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. As he would say in this Roman passage, not only that we were weak, not only that we were sinners, but that we were enemies of God. And yet God comes to us. This is the mystery of love that Jesus knows us. I heard this from a guy a few years ago, changed my life. Um, you can be one of two things. And this is, for, this is for all of us. We can be one of two things. We can either be impressive or we can be known. We can be impressive or we can be known. This is the beauty and the mystery of love. God knows you. Because once people start knowing you, you become a lot less impressive. Anybody ever got married? Right? You become known. And not just like that's not where like the toothbrush goes known. But like known. Things that you wish you had never said known. Things that you wish you had never done known. Caused grief and hurt and pain known. That kind of known. And yet the mystery is. That that person is still next to us. That that person knows us and loves us. How much more that Jesus knows us fully and loves us. So this is the beauty, the joy of the opportunity that we have at Advent in this day is to step into the mystery of love. I don't come to God impressive. He knows me. So why don't I let myself be known to him? And avail myself to this truth that Jesus is love 
And the degree to which we are loved by God in Jesus is that he was given fully and totally. He comes to us and he takes on flesh. And the mystery is this. He knows us. And in our weakness, while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, we see that Jesus is love in this, that Christ died for us. This is how loved we are. Uh, Spurgeon writes this. And it really echoes that 1 Peter 1 passage, the foundation of the earth stuff. He says this, Christ loved you before all worlds. So think back to Genesis 1, formless, void, dark. And yet Christ in that moment is loving you. And then look, here's the deal. Chuck's not from around here, okay? Uh, He's across the pond, and these are older times he writes in. So bear with some of the strange words. But he says, Long ere the day star flung his ray across the darkness, before the wing of angel had flapped the unnavigated ether, before aught of creation had struggled from the womb of nothingness, God, even our God, had set his part upon all his children. Before the foundation of the world, God set his heart on you. That is the mystery of love. And then this, since that time, he asked, has he once swerved? Has he once turned aside, once changed? No, you have tasted of his love and know his grace will bear me witness that he has been a certain friend in uncertain circumstances. Continually faithful. You have often left him. Has he ever left you? You've had many trials and troubles. Has he ever deserted you? Has he ever turned away his heart and shut up his bowels of compassion? No, children of God, it is your solemn duty to say no and bear witness to his faithfulness. There's this song, and you know it, and it describes, uh, there's this one line of this song that I think describes human life more more than anything I've ever heard, and it's this. I come from a long line of leavers. Out of the garden gate with an apple in my hand. Now, there's two things that are really important to note here. The first is that it's probably either a pomegranate or an apricot. And I mean this seriously. And the apple thing was perpetuated by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. It's a whole thing, and I love to talk about this. Um, But that's a little bit of an aside. But here's the thing that we are, we're these leavers. We're people that leave. We're people that abandon. We're people that run. We're the Peter that says, I, w- I would, how could I ever leave you? How could I ever betray you? And then the next thing you know, the, this is the third crow, right? That's who we are. You want to feel even more painfully? This is how you feel it. To know that we sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound, right? I once was blind, but now I see. There's another writer that, that, that would, would say it this way. I once was blind, but now I just look away. That's how unfaithful we are. So it's appropriate to sing, Oh, come all ye unfaithful. But this is the beauty of the gospel, and this is the mystery of love. Paul would write to Timothy again, in 2 Timothy, and he would say this. 
If we are faithless, he will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. Jesus has loved us to the end. Fully faithful. He's taken our place. How do we know that? How do we know Jesus' love? Because he was born to us. In the most intimate and vulnerable and peculiar of ways, God comes to meet us in our brokenness and our pain and our sin and our evil and our rebellion and our state of, of not needing some help, but in our state of pure death and our weakness and our sinfulness as we're enemies and he comes and redeems us. So our worship team is going to come. And we're going to step into a hope in this moment, the mystery of love. That when we look at Advent, we see not Jesus coming to us as a story. It is that, but it's so much more. It's the truth of Death being put to death and life being given in this new life that is born. But how much more beautiful is that that redemption that comes through this new life, that love has been before the foundation of the world. That God's heart has been set on you. God knows you in the deepest ways. So our job in embracing this love, stepping into this mystery, is not for us to be impressive. It's to just be faithful because we're known. We did this thing this week where um, we went to a, a Christmas party, me and I did. Um, and it was one of those parties where, and these I think these are rare, where you didn't have to bring anything. Like, because you, know, you know how this goes. Like, everybody invites you to a party and you're like, this is cool. This is, is going to be a blast. Oh, I got to make an appetizer. I got to bring dessert. Most of us know that if I'm coming, I'm, I'm going to pick up Publix cookies, and it's going to have a sticker on it. Uh, and maybe that's why when we got invited to this thing, they said don't bring anything because I'm known, because they really know me, and they know I'm not trying to be impressive. Um, we got a lot going on in life, and so like making an appetizer or dessert or, or bringing uh, something for a charcuterie board is like the last thing on my mind. But even in that moment, getting ready to go to this party, I asked me, and I'm like, like, are you sure we don't need to bring anything? Like, we got to bring something. It's hard to go and bring nothing. It's just hard. We just want to bring something. We can't bring anything to him. 
We have nothing. We offer nothing. So he comes to us. God comes to us. And not just the big us, the room full of people us, but you and me us. Like he comes to us. So that we can have fellowship with the Father and with him. Have joyous union in God. Redemption. That's the mystery of love that we celebrate. So the call, the challenge is this. Let's be faithful. And let's do this simple thing this morning. Let's step into this mystery, this love, this God that knows us so deeply and doesn't tolerate us. And you need to hear this. God does not tolerate you. He loves you. He loves you. So step into that and adore him. Just in your heart, with the mystery of godliness, this inward deep love, just adore him and just worship him this morning in response. Let's do that. And before we do, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, these things we confess that we see in your scriptures that you have given to us that are true. These words that are penned, that have been penned by men that have been carried along by your spirit. These true things we confess, Father, that that your son is love. That you demonstrated your love for us, us weak sinners who are your enemies in this, that Christ died for us. God, that he was made manifest to us, graspable, a person in flesh just like us. He actually took on our flesh. We confess this, Father. And Father, we confess that there is mystery here, that we are so deeply known. You know us in every way to our core, and yet you still love us. Father, for these things we are thankful. And now we long, Father, to lovingly adore you, to worship you, Father. To worship your Son, Jesus, by the very power of his Spirit, your Spirit that indwells us. As in the name of this child who was born to us, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Let's take time to respond. I urge you to stand. Uh, And look, you can do whatever. You can stand. You can sit. You can pray. Uh, If you want to come pray, um, I'm I'm here to to receive you. I'd love to pray with you, to talk with you. Um, And look, and I would say this just boldly. um, I, I know this, and I've sat in that chair and heard the guy say this before and be like, do you really know this? But look, I know this. I know there are those of you that need to be born unto this child to understand what it means for this child to be born to you. I know that there are those of you that have not trusted in Jesus, that don't, that don't have this relationship with Jesus. And I would urge you to come talk about it. Because I know God's working in your spirit. 
I know there's discomfort and there's, look, there's fear, there's trepidation, there's the, I don't want to walk the aisle thing. And that's okay if you don't want to do the walk the aisle thing. If you want to find me afterwards secretly or you want to find your community group leader or you want to send a text message tomorrow, that's okay. It really is. But this is the hope. God knows you and came to you. So you can come to him and find peace and hope and joy and love and fulfillment in deep satisfaction more than anything the world can offer in his goodness. Let's stand and worship together.
so this is the mystery of love that we get to step into. We get to adore him. We get to embrace the mystery of what he's drawn us into, being fully known and yet now fully alive in the God who has come to us, Jesus Christ, born, taken on flesh, so that we can have fellowship with the Father through the Son, by the Spirit. Amen. This is the love that we experience at Advent. Hey, I want you to do one thing for me uh, before we leave. If everybody else gets a seat for just one moment, uh, I want to invite Hunter Greg uh, to come. And then we'll stand and be dismissed relatively quickly. But this is something really, really important uh, that don't want to miss out on. Uh, look, we're our church staff as a family here. We're really close. We love one another. Uh, and look, you need to know this. I'm a pastor at this church. I'm not the only pastor. I stand here with other pastors uh, who, who long to love and shepherd and lead our church. Uh, and look, part of um, the challenge of ministry is, is understanding the gospel, and the theological complexities and nuances of the scriptures and how to rightly divide God's word to care for and shepherd people well, to lead them toward truth and not error. And so these two men have worked really, really hard and embodied the scripture that calls them to to study, to show themselves approved. Uh, And I want to share with you this morning specifically how first Hunter Gregg uh, has earned a master of divinity with an emphasis in preaching and pastoral ministry from Southeastern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Uh, And as I told the first service, uh, I have one of these things and they do not just hand them out. All right. Um, This is not like candy from the parade float. Uh, This is a lot of work. It's incredibly intense. It's deeply challenging. Um, And look, God has, by his grace, enabled Hunter to complete this program, and it's incredible. And here's the beautiful thing, that what Hunter has done is not just earned accolades or have have an honor conferred upon him and get to go in a ceremony and wear a weird hat. That's not what Hunter did. All right, Hunter walked through this schooling to be at a place where he could minister the gospel effectively. But this is for us. This is for our church and the church universal. So for that, I'm incredibly thankful. And then let's do these together at once. Paxton Brittle um, has earned a Master of Arts in Pastoral Ministry at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, and, and you guys know this about Paxton. The goal is not for him to perform on Sundays, but instead in a pastoral way to shepherd us toward the heart of God in song. And that's what he's doing, and he's furthered his education and created opportunities to grow ministerially, not just here with us, but for the church as a whole. And so, look, for these two guys, and you know this, I deeply love you, I'm thankful for you, uh, and I, I, I relish in this because we do this together. We, we shepherd, we minister alongside one another, and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, I know as a church, not only are we proud of them, but we should be deeply appreciative of the fact that they love us in such a way that God would call them to do this. They'd be obedient and follow that calling and then seek to shepherd us in a better way. So could we stand and honor them this morning? I think it's incredibly appropriate. Um, so let's do, let's do this this morning. Let's take two moments. One, to just pray a prayer of blessing over them. Uh, in, in ministry now and days ahead, uh, and then, and then we'll, we'll be dismissed. We'll have a benediction and be dismissed. So uh, pray with me as we pray for these gentlemen. Heavenly Father, uh, for my brothers whom I love, uh, Father who embody the truth of the gospel, who preach the gospel to me um, in word and in deed, Father, I'm thankful for the gift that they are to your people in this place uh, and that they will be to the kingdom forever in what you've done in their hearts and lives. I pray that you will continue to equip them uh, and allow them to shepherd 
uh, not only myself, but this congregation, we would avail ourselves to who they are and the way, uh, Father, that, that you have instructed them and guided them and equipped them for ministry. Pray these things uh, and that their ministries would be blessed uh, in you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And for all of us, uh, could we leave this place in the recognition of, of, of a mystery of love that we exist in, that God fully knows us and yet loves us, comes to us. That ought to bring us hope and peace and joy and love. You're blessed in Jesus Christ. May we all go in peace.